we're going we're gonna to be starting a new series. Uh, we're starting it today. And I wanted at the very beginning let you know about a great book. This is a book that I read uh, about seven, eight months ago uh, by Craig Groeschel called The Power to Change. And so for this series, I just ripped off the title of his book. You know, we were talking about different titles. I said, why don't we just steal the title of his book? It's, we didn't just steal his title. There'll be some content that, that we'll actually be using as well. And so if you're looking for, a, this is such a great book on December 31st. Some of you don't read books, but maybe you, you would want to get the audio version of it. It's a great audio version. I've, I've done the audio version and read through it as well. And so I highly recommend that. If you have the Bible app um, on their reading plans, you can search Power to Change. And he has a seven-day reading plan on that Bible app. And, and maybe you want to go through that this week. That would be an awesome thing to do. But um, here's the thing. When it comes to change... I mean, I, I, let me just even start asking this question. Like, how many of you in 2024 have something in your life that you want to change um, about you? How many of you would say, I've got something I want to change in 2024? Yeah, I, I think mo most of us do. And uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you've been amping yourself up and you're just like, this is going to be my year. You've got a soundtrack that you're playing and, you know, you got the Rocky theme song and maybe this Top Gun song. And you're just like, we're going to do this 2024. This is my year, right? And you're all ready. And then some of you, you, you're like, I'd like to psych myself up, but I remember a year ago, <laughs> that a year ago I was all psyched up about making some changes, and some of you are sitting here and you say, you know what, I weigh more today than I weighed at the beginning of the year, right? Or, or, or for maybe some of you, you're like, I spent way more money than I had budgeted, than I thought that I would, I'm further in debt than I was at the beginning of the year. Some of you, I didn't read nearly as much scripture or the word of God that I wanted to read. And so, so it's easy when we talk about change, let's just be honest, let's talk about the elephant in the room. It's so easy to be disillusioned, especially the older that you get. And it's so easy to just go, you know, change, like, yeah, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen in my life. And if that's you, I, I really wanted to start this morning by looking at a passage of scripture that helps us understand that in your disillusionment regarding change, I just want you to know you're not alone. You're not the first person to be disillusioned with this idea. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, he says some things that even though he wrote this 2,000 years ago, man, this resonates. At least it resonates for me. Uh, in verse 15 of Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. How many of you would say, that's me? I want to do what is right. I just don't do it. Instead, and this is even worse, I do what I hate. Like I wanted to get up this morning and run on the treadmill, but I decided to hit snooze instead. And I don't want to eat any more barbecue Lay's chips, but they were in the pantry and they were already open, and so I just finished a whole bag last night while I was watching the Cowboys game, right? Like, I, the thing that I, wanna, that I hate, I end up doing, the thing that I want to do, that I know is right to do, I don't do it. If you skip to verse 19, he says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And then if you skip to verse 24, you finally get to the, the, the kind of the finality statement of, of his struggle, and he says this, and this, this just resonates. It just, it just feels so true for so many of us. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Or in some translations, what a wretched man I am, right? Like you, you, you get in the spiral, and there's this disillusionment. I want to change, but I know change doesn't, it's not as easy as everyone makes it out to be. And so, man, what a miserable person I am. Maybe you relate to that. 
Maybe you wonder what's wrong with me. Last year, you know, I set all my goals and I made the vows and I bought the workout clothes and I I even got a daily planner. I even got out some markers and a poster board and made my vision board. (laughs) If you don't know what a vision board is, Google it. We have the the right intentions, but so many of us have the wrong strategy. So many of us are, are just trying to do this on our own, and we're so fixated with our decisions and our choices and our outward behavior. And what God is wanting to do is he's wanting to change us from the inside out. And if we'll allow him, and we're going to talk a little bit about this this morning, that, that he, will, he will do that process of changing us from the inside out. I love that after Paul, right after Paul says, what a miserable person I am, what a wretched man I am, he goes on and he says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Some translations say, who, who will free me from this body of death? Who, who's going to rescue me? I need someone to free me. I need, I need out of this behavioral loop, right? His answer in verse 25, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The answer is in Jesus. Jesus, that change that you want to make, man, you've got it. Jesus has got to be central to that change that you want to make in your life. I think what, what messes this up, and Jerry Bridges talks about this, Jerry Bridges talks about three different mindsets that Christians tend to have, or at least American Christians tend to have when it comes to change. These, these are three mindsets. The first two are faulty mindsets. The last one is the correct mindset. And to help illustrate this, I've asked uh, Sean Swander and Max Swander if you guys would come on up. And Max, I'm going to have you just stand on the floor right here next to, like right, right here, if you'll stand right here. And then, Sean, I'm going to have you come on up here, and I'm going to have you just stand, like, right over here. And, uh, and we, to do this illustration, we need a beach ball. And the beach ball is going to represent change. So what does the beach ball represent? Change. Okay. And so, Max, Max, I'm going to have you hold on to change. The first mindset, and this is a faulty, just hold it up a little bit. The, the first mindset, and this is a faulty, this is a wrong mindset, but we adopt it. Even in, within Christianity, we do this all the time. The first mindset is only me. Only me. Would you say that with me? Only me. Only me. This mindset is, and it sounds Christian. In fact, we, we, we make this sound really biblical. You know, you know I, I, I needed a savior. I needed Jesus to rescue me. So I, I, I confessed that Jesus is Lord, that he's risen from the dead. I asked him to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, be the master and leader of my life. And then we do something that Paul addresses in the book of Galatians. It's having started in the grace and the power of God. It's like, and God never says this to us, but we kind of, we kind of have this idea that God says, you know what, hey champ, looks like you got it going, so I'm gonna step out for a while, and now you can just live this life on your own. And so we adopt this mindset when it comes to change is, and th- th- maybe this is a good way of summing it up, if it's gonna be, it's up to me, right? Like it's this idea, and a lot of this is westernized, a lot of this is because of you know, us living in this great country that we live in, but we c- try to individualize everything, and it's just kind of like, I'm going to pull myself up on my bootstraps, and I'm going to do this, and just, oh, I don't need anybody else. If it's going to be, it's up to me. This, this mindset is only me, and it's a faulty mindset. You will not be able to have lasting change in your life if you're all about this only me mindset. Okay, stay right there, don't move, but I'm gonna take the change because this ball represents what? Change. All right, hey, you're with me. All right, and now, and I don't want this to go to your head, Sean is gonna represent God. You can see how that could go wrong at lunchtime, right? 
Heather's over there just going, oh, Lord. All right, so now I'm going to have you hold this, and you don't have to hold it high, because uh, I know you're old like me. So, Okay, so, so here, here's a second mindset, and again, I just want to be clear, this second mindset is also faulty. This is wrong, and at first you're going to be like, Ken, you are a heretic, okay? The second mindset is only God. In fact, would you say that with me? Only God. Now, remember, we're talking about change, and so when it comes to change, the mindset is, well, I'm just going to shift all the response, because this one we know is wrong, because you just heard the pastor tell you this, that only me, the only me mindset is wrong, and so we just go, well, I'll just shift it, and I'll shift all of the responsibility to God, and so here's what happens, and this happens in real life. I'm going to exaggerate slightly, but it happens in real life. What people, Max is like, he keeps going behind me, and I don't know where he's at, and he's a basketball player, so he needs to know where people are at all times, right? So, so, so the only God mindset is we shift the responsibility over to God, and where this, where this happens in life is, I'll see people who will quit their jobs just, just because they don't like the job. I don't like my job, I'm going to quit my job. No plan, and then here's what they'll do. They'll just sit on the couch at home binging on Netflix and YouTube, and it's like they're, wait, God, get me a job. Like, God is now like their gopher. God's going to get me a job. The phone's going to magically ring. I don't have to do anything. It's only God. People who will get themselves further and further in debt, and so when the next Powerball comes, they're going and buying a lottery ticket, and they're praying over the lottery ticket, and they're anointing it with oil, and they're doing, you know, God, I need you to come through, right? And it's a... It's an only God mindset. It's shifting the responsibility and the weight all over to God. But, but here, here's, what, here's the correct mindset. This is our third mindset. And now, Max, I'm going to need you to move over here. And, Sean, you're going to move up a little bit. And now we're gonna, you're going to still face the audience. And you're going to, I know, this is so awkward. You hold on to it. And you hold, you got this. It's like you were in the first service or something. This is God with me. God with me. Would you actually say that with me? God with me. God with me. This is the correct mindset. This is a mindset that says, no, it's not just me, and it's not just God. This is a partnership where God wants me to be a partner with him. In fact, in the word of God, you will see constantly over and over and over again, all the heroes of the faith are people who partnered with God. It was God's power. It was his strength, but it was a man. It was a woman who said yes it was a young woman who, who knew that by approaching the king, she might be killed for it. But she, she realized that she's here for such a time as this. And so she's going she's gonna to be brave, but, and God's power showed up. And God worked mightily through Esther, right? Okay, you guys can be done. <laughs> you guys are like, how long do we have that pose? Can we give it up for the Swanders? Thank you, guys. So I, I want to take a few minutes to talk about that third mindset, and I, and I want you to see how this is biblical, that it's not just something, you know, from Jerry Bridges, it's not just something from Ken. Uh, I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this is, again, this is the Apostle Paul writing, and, and, and I want you to know, the Apostle Paul isn't just coming up with this out of the blue. Like, he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen these words. He's writing a letter to a group of Jesus followers in Corinth, but he's being inspired. These are God-breathed words that, that, he's, that he's penning down. And not only that, the Holy Spirit has taken these words that were written 2,000 years ago, and he has preserved these words because he knows that we need them. We need to be teached and rebuked and taught, not teach. There's grammar people, whatever it is. 
So look at this. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10. And I want you to see this tension of, of you know, God with me instead of just only me or only God. Um, look at this. He says, for I, this is Paul speaking, he says, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Like, whoa, are you, this is really a depress, depression Paul, right? Like, why is Paul in this place? Well, he explains. He says, because I persecuted the church of God. Now, some of you, you, don't, you maybe you don't know Paul's story. We're talking about St. Paul. You know, hospitals have been named after him, and, and, and churches and schools have been named after Paul. What, maybe what you don't know about Paul is that Paul wasn't always Paul. Paul actually is his new name. It's a revised name. His original name was Saul. People called him Saul of Tarsus, which I always think of fish. I don't tartar sauce. I don't know what a, like for whatever reason I'm always and and uh, so so Saul of Tarsus was not a good dude. Saul of Tarsus were first introduced to him in the book of Acts at the very end of Acts chapter seven when this good godly man who served the poor and helped feed widows, this guy named Stephen who has just been just been faithful in following Jesus. Saul of Tarsus is part, he's a conspirator and having Stephen stoned to death where he's executed, where he's killed. Stephen becomes the first martyr and at the very end of Acts chapter seven, it says that Saul of Tarsus is kind of standing over the whole thing like he's the godfather. A couple verses later in Acts chapter eight, verse three, it says that Saul of Tarsus is going house to house. I mean, this is how ruthless, I'm not making this up in verse three. He's going house to house, hunting down Christians and then pulling them out of their houses, having them either imprisoned or at worst, having them executed. Saul of Tarsus is not a good dude. But then Saul of Tarsus meets Jesus in Acts chapter nine. And if you don't know that story, you should read that story today. It's a crazy story of God just supernaturally reaching out to Saul of Tarsus, saying, I've got a purpose for you. You're gonna go from killing Christians to becoming the greatest evangelist that this world has ever seen. And so here you have years later, years later you have Saul, and he, or now he's Paul, and he says, I'm the least of the apostles. I don't deserve to be called an apostle. I persecuted the church of God. Look at verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I love that phrase. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Would you say that with me? By the grace of God, I am what I am. He recognizes, listen, the power isn't in me. I was going around killing Christians. It wasn't until Jesus showed up, supernaturally blew me away, and because of the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Again, I love that phrase. What's he saying? He's saying God's grace was so effective. It was so powerful. And then he says something, I'm not skipping any words, I'm not skipping any verses at all. The very next thing that he says, actually it's in the same verse, in verse 10, he says, no, I worked harder than all of them. He worked harder than, than who? Most scholars believe that he's talking about the apostles. That's the last group of people that he mentioned, that he was the least of the apostles. He goes, no, I worked harder than all of them. I can just hear him saying, he doesn't say this, but I can just hear him saying, you know, I stayed up later than them. I got up earlier than them. I started more churches, I raised up more leaders, I preached the gospel more fearlessly, I was beaten, I was left for dead, I was whipped, I was snake bitten, I was shipwrecked, like I worked harder than all of them. And then he kind of flips again, he says, yet, not I, but the grace of God that was with me, right? 
here's what I want you to get. It's not either or. It's not the grace of God or me putting some energy and effort into it. It's not either or. It is both and. Now, disclaimer, because some of you might be confused and you might already be typing out, you know, going to heresy.com and putting my name in there. So I want to be real careful. We are saved by grace, by the grace of God. When Jesus died on the cross, when he was risen from the grave, Jesus broke the curse against us, right? He took the punishment that we deserve. We're saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. We're not saved by works, Otherwise, we would go around boasting about it, is what Paul says in Ephesians, right? We would go around boasting about how awesome, if we can be saved by what we do, by going to church enough, by giving enough money, all those things, then, then, then it would be about us. So we're saved by grace. You can have an assurance that you're going to heaven, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus did for you. We're not talking about heaven, and we're not talking about salvation here. What we're talking about is change and transformation. Change and transformation is both and. It is the grace of God, and it is me working. It is, it is a partnership. It is both and. It is God with me. Are you understanding? Anybody with us? It, it, this isn't me sitting on the couch and saying, oh, God, it'd be great if you changed my life. Have at it. That's not how change works. Change is, change is both and. It, it is God with me. That, this, that's how it works. So here's a couple, a couple great questions. and uh, I'm trying to figure out what, what parts of the sermon that you guys need to hear. Uh, here, here are two questions. And the first question is why? Regarding your change. You're like, why what? Regarding the change, maybe you've got something in mind that you want to change in 2024. Maybe you just got a, a notification on your phone that you spent 92 hours the last week on your phone. Which is possible because Christmas to New Year's, some of you all have spent a lot of time on your phone, right? And so maybe for you, you're thinking about 2024 and you're going, I want to spend less time on my phone. Okay, that's a good goal. Really, you could, you could nuance that goal a little bit and make it a little more specific because I don't know how specific that is. I mean, less time than 92 hours? Does that mean 90 hours will do? I don't know. Maybe you need to get more specific, but that's, that's another conversation. But here, here's where you need to drill down and why. Okay, if, if this goal is going to be God-honoring, if this is a God-with-me change that I need to make in my life, then what does this have to do with the glory of God? What is this, this change I want to make in my life, what does this have to do with honoring God, right? And so maybe, maybe for you, you just go, well, the reason why I don't want to be on my phone is because I want, to be, I want to be present to the people around me that God loves. God is putting people in my life, and I don't want to be so, you know, chained to my phone that I'm not seeing and experiencing what's going on around me. I'm not catching the cues that are going on around me. I'm not engaged in the conversation. And so this is why I don't want to spend as much time on my phone. See, now that's God honoring. That's God glorifying, right? So one of the questions that when you're, when you're thinking about change in your life, one of the big questions that you need to look at is why? Why? Why am I wanting to do this change? You know, why, why do I want to lose weight? Well, so I can look better on the beach, right? Okay, that's not, that's not bad, but it's, how is that God glorifying? How is that honoring to God? Well, maybe you, you say, okay, here's, here's the deal. My, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and so I want to be able to have the energy that I need to be able to do the things that he's calling me to do. And so in order to do that, I need to lose a little bit of weight. I want to eat healthier. I want to, whatever it would be. So, so one of the questions we need to ask is, regarding change is, well, why 
do I want to change? Is this God glorifying? Is it God honoring? Because God with me, that mindset, doesn't work on goals that are all about me. You, get, you catch what I'm saying? Like if it's God with me, the right mindset, the correct mindset, then I've got to be about a change that isn't just about me, that's actually for the glory of God. It's honoring to God, right? So first question to ask is, is why? A second question that you want to ask is, well, How? How does this actually happen? How does God with me change actually happen? I, I, love, I love in Zechariah, which is one of the prophets, Zechariah chapter four, verse six says that it is not by force nor by strength. Um, some translations say it's not by might, it's not by power, right? In other words, it's not by me making this thing happen. It's not, you know, this only me mindset. It, it's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So when we talk about a God with me mindset, what we're talking about, let's get real specific, we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit who is with us and in us, that he is animating, he is helping, he is partnering with this change that needs to happen. Everybody still with me? Okay, giving me some weird looks. Okay, so, so let me back up for a second. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. We believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Father and God the Son. So Jesus, the night that he is betrayed and going to be arrested in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, John, uh, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, listen, I'm going away, I'm going to be with the Father, and they're all like, oh, crap. Jesus, you're the best, right? Like, we don't want you to leave. Where are you going? Show us how to get there. And then Jesus says, listen, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. In fact, it is going to be to your advantage. It is going to be for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Father isn't going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is now going to be in you and with you. So here's what, here's what we believe about the Holy Spirit. The moment that you received the grace of God, the moment that you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and be the master and leader of your life, you humbled yourself and you said, Jesus, I need you to lead my life. That in that moment, you were forgiven of your sins, you were adopted into the family of God, and you received the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit of God is now residing inside of you. You say, Ken, where is that in the Bible? Romans 8, 15, Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. There's many other passages that speak to the fact. John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus breathes on his disciples the night of his resurrection, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit, and they receive the Holy Spirit, right? So here's, when it comes to change, and I'm not just talking about change that's for you and, you know, for your attention, and so you can get more followers on Instagram or whatever. I'm talking about God with me change. It's for the glory of God that is honoring to God. Here, here's the advantage that you have that maybe you didn't even know that you have. You have the Holy Spirit of God living and dwelling inside of you. So practically, here's, here's, what this, here's what this looks like. It means that when I wake up in the morning, one of the first things I should say is, good morning, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. You say, wait, 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 wait. Can, you can pray to the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I pray to the Father, I pray to Jesus. I can pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, good morning. I, I'm, thank you that you're with me. Would you lead me today? Holy Spirit, would you give me eyes to see beyond just, just what, you know, the physical. Give me discernment today to be able to understand what's going on in a room beyond just what is physically going on in the room. You know what I mean? 
I want to see. I want to have insight. I want to have perception. Holy Spirit, will you help me to hear what you want me to hear? And this doesn't mean I've never heard the Holy Spirit speak to me out loud. But there's been promptings. There's been, it's almost like a whisper. There's been thoughts that have come to my mind that I know weren't from me because I know me. And I'm selfish and I'm greedy. I'm greedy with my time. And the Holy Spirit will put a thought in my mind about selflessly serving another person or giving of my resources to another person or whatever it might be. And, and that's the Holy Spirit. and He's speaking to me. But I don't, I don't only need eyes to see and I don't only need ears to hear. I need the courage to obey. Because when the Holy Spirit speaks, if you don't obey, and then five hours from now he speaks and you don't obey, and tomorrow he speaks and you don't obey, you know what's going to happen? He's going to stop speaking. So when he speaks, when I get that prompting, no matter how weird it is, now it's always got to be in alignment with the word of God, okay? I'm not talking about some psycho um, cult stuff. I mean, honestly, for me, it's about serving others. It's about being generous to others. It's always things that are totally in alignment with the word of God. And I know the thought didn't come from Satan. Satan doesn't want me blessing other people, right? I know it's not for me. I'm selfish and greedy. And so I just, I just step out. And, and often it's just little things. It's, it's just little things that don't even really, in the scope of things, we don't even go, well, does that even really matter? But he's building up my faith, Right? And so here's what this means. It just means going throughout the day saying, Holy Spirit, would you lead me? I'm on my way to work. And so I turn off ESPN radio or I turn off the podcast or I turn off whatever. And I just go, Holy Spirit, today I'm, I'm about to get to work. Holy Spirit, you know that I work with a bunch of heathens. I'm a pastor of a church. I work with a bunch of heathens. Would you, would you give me patience today? Would you help me to honor you today, right? Lisa's like, well, he's not wrong. So <laughs> just joking. I, I, Holy Spirit, I, I need you. I need you to lead me today. I need you to direct me today. I need you to show me today. Now here, here's one more passage. I, I, this, we, we read earlier from 1 Corinthians 15. I want to read from 1 Corinthians 10, and don't worry, we're, we're getting near the end. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, I think is so powerful. So we'll put it up on the screen. It says this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Okay, we could just, we could pause right there and that could be, that could be a sermon. One of the lies of the enemy is that whatever you're going through, whatever temptation you're facing, that you're the only one. That if anybody else knew what you're being tempted with, they wouldn't love you anymore. They wouldn't accept you anymore. And what Paul says right here is he says, the temptations in your life, they're no different from what others experience. To me, that, that, that's a hope, right? I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only person going through this. And then I love these words, and God is faithful. In the midst of this temptation, in the midst of even of giving in to temptation, can I just tell you, God is faithful. Here's what you need to know. God is for you. God loves you. He's not in a bad mood. He really does love you. He loves you more than your mama loves you. God, listen, in whatever, whatever temptation is going on, whatever you're trying to change, whatever it, the struggle it is, I just want you to know God is faithful. What you're being tempted by, you're not the only one. You need to know that. 
He goes on, he says, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. You got to partner with him by yourself. I don't know how long Max could have held that ball up. He probably could have done it for maybe 15, maybe 30, maybe an hour. Next time, maybe we'll see. But at some point, even though it's a beach ball, at some point, he wouldn't be able to handle it. But God with me, with God also holding on to the ball, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, right? God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But look at this. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can, what's the word there? So that you can endure. He will show you the way out. In the Greek, this way, this way out, um, maybe in your translations it says a way of escape. It literally is, a, the word is outlet. It's like a doorway. That when you are tempted, the Holy Spirit will provide a doorway for you, an outlet for you, an exit, Right? So let me give you an illustration. This isn't my own. When I was 20, 23 years old, somewhere in that time span, I was listening to a sermon by Louis Giglio, and he was talking about this passage, and this has always stayed with me. And the example is going to be one that's probably going to resonate more for high school students or college students, but that's the place I was in life and maybe the group of people he was preaching to. But he said, he said here's how this outlet works. The outlet is always larger at first. So let's, let's say that, that you're invited to a party, and you know this isn't like a party like your grandma would throw, okay? This is, well, who knows what kind of grandma you have. Uh, th- this is going to be a party you know, you know ahead of time. You know, there's, there's going to be plenty of booze there. You know that there's going to be maybe some illegal substances. You know there's going to be plenty of sexual opportunities. This is one of those kinds of parties. And, and so you're invited to this party, and, and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to serve the Lord. You've decided that you want to follow Christ. You want him to be first in your life. And the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and you just know immediately inside of you, there's this do not go. Don't say yes. Tell them no, Right? And Louis Giglio described that outlet, that way of escape, that exit, as being like the size of a garage. Think of like a two-car garage door. Like it is so big, it is so obvious, right? And you have a moment, and it would be the easiest of this whole night. It would be the easiest in that moment just to say, no thanks. I've got something else going on. i got, I got somewhere else I want to be. No thanks. Louis says, let's say that you don't do that. Let's say you ignore that. You ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit and, and now you get in the car and now you're headed to the party and now you're right outside of the house. Right, you, haven't, you haven't even walked up the steps yet. You're like right there. He says, now there's still a way of escape. There's still an outlet. There's still an exit sign. Now it is shrunk and is now the size of a door. And you can in that moment say, you know what, guys? I, 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 I don't think this is for me. Man, I hope you guys have a great night. I hope you guys are safe. I, I'm going to call an Uber. Maybe you're close enough to home. I'm going to walk home. Now, there's still an exit. There's still, there's still an outlet, right? There's still a way of escape. It's just gotten a little smaller. It's a little harder. It's a little more difficult. Let's say you ignore that, and now you're in the party. And now there's all kinds of invitations, all kinds of temptations, all kinds of things going on. And in that moment, if you'll listen, there's still the Holy Spirit. And you're saying, you can still leave, You don't have to involve yourself in this. You can still walk out the door. But now the outlet, the way of escape is getting smaller. Now it's the size of a window. You you can still leave. You still have an opportunity. Here's what you need to know. Like the how for God with us change is the Holy Spirit. But the partnership is I've got to obey him. 
The partnership is I've got to have courageous obedience when he speaks to me. I have to say yes to what he is saying. When he wants me to stay away from something, I have to stay away from it. When he wants me to move towards something, I have to move toward it. The how is the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to get into all kinds of nuts and bolts of change and, and how, how, we can, how we can have better habits in our life. All these things over the next couple of weeks, uh, some of it will come from the power of change. Next week, uh, I don't think any of the content comes from that. The following week, there will be some from there. But, but I want you to come back because we're going to talk about, really, God wants us to change more than we want to change. You know that? He loves you, and he has a purpose, and he doesn't want to just change you because he likes manipulating like, like a, you know, a, an engineer with a robot. No, he knows your best design. He created you. He knows how you're going to be the most fruitful and fulfilled in life. And so he wants you to be the best version of you that you can possibly be because that's when he gets glorified. That's when he gets honored. And so as we get ready to close, you know, is, is there something in your life that you need to change? Is there something in your life that you need to change? Can you name it? Why, why do you need to change it? If it's, if it's a God with us change, how, how would that change be God honoring? How would, it, how would it glorify him? And how might the Holy Spirit be at work in this? How might you need to lean into his voice? Maybe, maybe for some of you, listen, the Holy Spirit Sounds a whole lot like scripture. The more that I read scripture, honestly, the easier that it gets for me to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So for some of you in 2024, maybe, maybe the, the change that you need to go after is, is being disciplined with reading scripture. And I love the Bible app. The Bible app is great. And, and I love, you know, you open the Bible app each day and there's a verse of the day. And the verse of the day is great, but the verse of the day is like, it's like a handful of almonds. A handful of almonds is good, but a handful of almonds will not nourish you throughout the whole day. Right? What I would challenge you with, and I'm going to push you guys a little bit. What if 2024 is the year that you decide to read through Scripture in a systematic way? I don't mean that you have to read through the entire Bible in 2024. But I mean, what, what if you just, if you're new to the Bible, what if it's just saying, I'm going to read through the New Testament. I'm going to start at the beginning of the New Testament, which is the book of Matthew. You're going to read through the Gospels. You're going to read through the letters that Paul wrote. And in 2024, you know, you can read through the New Testament. It would take you maybe five minutes a day. And you, you would be able to read through the New Testament in 2024. Maybe, maybe you want to be ambitious and you want to read through the whole Bible. We have, we have an app that I'll get you. In fact, I'm going to send out an email in a little bit today, and, and that, that app will be in there. We have a private Facebook page. You can't find it because it's private. So if you message me, I can give you an invitation, but it's a group of people. In fact, in 2023, we had a group of people who read through the, the Bible in one year using the app. And the Facebook page is just for commenting and asking questions and just sharing what we're learning and encouraging each other, kind of accountability. And so if you want to be a part of that, you can let me know. And in 2024, maybe that's a year. Some people are doing a hybrid. They're doing the Bible in one year, which includes a New Testament reading and an Old Testament reading and a Psalm, sometimes Proverbs. And they're doing a hybrid where they're saying, you know what, I'm just going to read the New Testament part of that. I'm still going to be in the community. I'm still going to be in the group, but I'm just not going to read the Old Testament part of it because I really want to get to know the New Testament first. You, you, you can do whatever you want to do, but here, here's what I want to challenge you with. If we're going to get to know the voice of the Holy Spirit, 
we've got to get to know God's word, right? And so, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Hey, first things first, do you know Jesus? I don't just mean do you know him, like, you know, you know who Elon Musk is. I mean, like, have you invited him into your life? Have you invited him to lead your life? Have you given him the controls of your life? Have you said, Jesus, I want you to be master of my life? Have you come to a place of faith, of believing that he's the son of God, risen from the dead? And that through his death on the cross, he took the curse of sin. He took the punishment that you deserved upon himself. Have you asked him? to forgive you, to be the master and leader of your life. If not, we would love to pray with you this morning. I'm not going to have you stand. I'm not going to have you come up to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you're here and you say, I want to begin this journey of following Jesus, and I know it begins with surrendering my life to him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I'd love to pray with you. Yeah, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you back there over here I see you back there yep you can lower your hand after you raise it I've seen you anybody else here's what I would love to do right right where you're sitting would you just under your breath just maybe it's just a whisper would you just pray Jesus have mercy on me I believe you're the son of God You're risen from the dead. Would you forgive me of my sin? Be the master and leader of my life. I want to follow you wherever you ask me to go. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for everybody in this room as we As we move toward 2024, literally in just a few hours. Father, I pray that we would live for your glory, that we would live for your name and for your renown. God, that you would empower us through your spirit, that we don't don't have to have only me change, and we don't have to shift the responsibility all all to you, God, that we can partner with you, that, that you are with us, that you would lead us that we would keep in step with your Holy Spirit, that we would go where you want us to go and do what you want us to do and say what you want us to say, that we would live for your glory and for your honor. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you go, a couple things. First of all, Carrie mentioned the Connect cards at the beginning of the service. If you're starting a relationship with Jesus or reaffirming a relationship with Jesus, on the very bottom of that card, it says, My Next Steps. If you would check the appropriate box there, that would help us because we want to encourage you. We want to come along. This isn't a a decision to make. This isn't only me, okay? We want to come alongside you and help you in following Christ. Some of you have, have... have begun a journey of following Christ, but you've never been baptized. Baptism is a public demonstration of what God has done inside of us. If you'd like information on baptism, make sure to check the bottom of your card where it says baptism. We'd love to get you information this week. We have prayer partners that are going to be available as everybody else is leaving in just a moment. They would love to be able to pray with you and for you. Maybe you need prayer about something, you know, that's even right on the horizon in this new year. We would love to pray with you guys and for you. Would you stand to your feet?
This week, may you understand that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, that the Holy Spirit is in you and with you. May you have ears to hear his voice. May you have the sight to see what he wants you to see. And may you have the courage to obey him in all things. God bless you guys. Have a great week.